You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation, and welcome into Locked On Saints, brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network. Ross Jackson here at Ross Jackson ASC on Twitter, your host covering your favorite team in New Orleans Saints like nobody else does it. Lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com. Welcome, as always, to all of our first-time listeners, as well as to all of those of you who have been supporting me from the Jump Houdat family, and welcome into today's Victory Monday episode of Locked On Saints. Houdat Nation, we are back on that victory grind with the Saints pulling off an impressive 34-17 bounce back victory in Tampa Bay against the Bucks. We'll start off with a recap of the game, why the win was important, who made the big plays for the teams, and how this all unfolded. Then we'll do as we usually do. Yes, it was a bounce back victory, so we'll look at what we liked, but there's also still some head scratches and questions to be answered, so we'll close out with what's left to be improved upon. We'll talk about what those improvements are and why it's a good thing. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. The Saints sweep the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the first time in four seasons. After splitting the series four years in a row, the Saints go into Tampa Bay after an early win this year against them at home in the Dome in Week 5. Week 11, they go into Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium and get that win. And they did it in pretty impressive fashion. Starting off a little bit slow, yet again, the Saints can't close out for a touchdown in their opening drive. Open up the first two drives of the game with a pair of field goals. But thankfully, the Saints defense started out high forcing a three and out in between those two field goals and then on the Bucks' second possession Jameis Winston hits OJ Howard over the middle OJ Howard bobbles it it goes behind his back he tries to catch it behind his back and Marcus Williams puts the absolute perfect lick on him the ball pops up in the air and then none other than Demario Davis dives in and takes away the first of what would be four interceptions for this Saints defense Demario Davis had a great day including that interception he had four pass breakups as well as helping to lead the team in tackle tying at least for the lead in tackles with six. The very next play, the Saints offense comes out. They cash in on the interception, getting points off the turnover right away. 16-yard touchdown pass from Drew Brees to Michael Thomas. That's Michael Thomas's fifth touchdown on the season. Drew Brees looked pretty good in this game, had some trouble pushing the ball deep, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't get mad about the Saints not pushing the ball down the field when the offense works the way that it works and that we've seen it work over the last few years, but that is a bigger conversation for another team time. Sticking with the recap here, the Saints get the ball back in the second quarter and then end up putting up a 6 minute and 42 second drive. 13 plays total. Nice even split here. 7 passes, 6 runs and it's capped off with an insane touchdown catch by Jared Cook in the back of the end zone. This is the Jared Cook that we've been waiting to see in New Orleans. This is really the team a little bit that we've been waiting to see in terms of the offense. This was the second game where you got to see Drew Brees, Michael Thomas, Jared Cook, and Alvin Kamara on the field all together. Last week against Atlanta was the first time you saw it, and AK was hardly involved. Not the same case this week, and the Saints ended up getting feeling a little bit of pressure from the Bucs just before the half. Jameis Winston leading a big charge on the very next possession, including a 47-yard pass 
pass to Scotty Miller, who was in coverage with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Just beat him off the line of scrimmage with the route concept that threw him off. It was originally called a touchdown, ended up getting called back at the one-yard line, and the Bucks almost didn't push it in for a touchdown, but ended up doing so on a six-yard pass to Peyton Barber. And then, you know, you could feel a little bit of the, the panic start to set in at that point where, you know, the defense had just given up a huge chunk play, 48 yards to a slot receiver. And then with the very next Saints possession, they ended up having to punt the ball just after the two-minute warning, a minute 46 left on the clock, and knowing that the Bucs get the ball back to start off the second half, and then the second of four interceptions takes place. Jameis Winston puts it deep down the middle for Chris Godwin. Kiko Alonso gets in there, who also had a great game. He ends up breaking it up, but then he just sort of selflessly passes it. Not really. It kind of bounced off his arm, but it looked as if he had just served it on a silver platter for the one, the only, Von Bell to get his first career interception. It finally happened, and that's the way that the half ends. So the Saints ended up getting out to that early lead that we had talked about, 20-7. to at the opening possession for the Bucks, they end up kicking a field goal, and you start to wonder, all right, are the Saints going to be able to hold on to this? Is the offense going to keep churning? And then that's when this next possession takes place, ends up giving us a little bit of a roller coaster here. You hit Michael Thomas over the middle. Drew Brees catches Jordan Whitehead, the linebacker, in coverage against Michael Thomas, who turns it up the field for a 41-yard game. That's followed up by a 12-yard run around the left side with Alvin Kamara that gets called back due to a very questionable holding penalty one one of a few questionable calls throughout this game, but it ends up not slowing the Saints down at all, does not stagger the drive. Drew Brees completes a six-yard touchdown to Ted Ginn Jr. The Saints go up 27-10. to The Bucks answer back on the very next possession with a just incredible play, honestly, by Chris Godwin on a 30-yard touchdown. Then the Saints end up getting the ball back, giving the ball back. They kind of go back and forward a little bit, but then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers end up on this fourth and one that everyone's going to be talking about. P.J. Williams clearly lined up offsides, ends up being called this offensive pass interference on the Bucks as they do complete a six-yard pass, but the pass interference backs them up. They go from a fourth and one to a fourth and 11. They're forced to punt it. This is one you're probably going to hear about all week. We'll talk about it a little bit more uh, as we go through. But to finish up this recap here, the Saints on the next possession, choose some time off the clock, punt the ball away. And then the next time that the Bucks get the ball, the Saints end up with a pick six by Marcus Williams, the first of not only his NFL career, but his collegiate career. That gives you your final score of 34 to 17. The Bucks made another late push, but PJ Williams ends up with an interception over a pass intended from Mike Evans on a third and one at the New Orleans one yard line. The Bucks had pushed all the way down to try to get a garbage time touchdown, which we've seen the Saints give up so often this season. But PJ Williams puts it to bed with the fourth and final interception of the game. So that's how the Saints seal away their big victory in Tampa Bay. Great to see them come out there. They've now won eight of the last 11 there, but only two of the last four. So this is a great, great piece of progress to see for the Saints. And they're starting to pick back up at the absolute right time. We'll talk a little bit next about what it is that we like, and then we'll follow up with some of the improvements that are left to be made. Before we get to that, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were all always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue. Like the color blue, BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients like Viagra and Cialis so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as the pills so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants some extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. BlueChew is prescribed online and 
shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now, we've got a special deal just for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use the promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, and faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, y'all. So the Saints get their big bounce back game on Sunday after the disappointing loss to the Atlanta Falcons at home, 34-17. So what was it that we liked about this victory aside from the victory itself? Well, the first thing I want to talk about is something that I talked about all throughout the week last week, and that was the next man up mentality. When you take a look at what the Saints were able to pull off without three big major contributors, one in each phase of the game. First of all, Marshawn Lattimore being out looked like it was going to spell absolute disaster for the Saints in defending Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, and that just was not the case. Yes, Chris Godwin did get a touchdown, big 30-yard touchdown for him in this game. Uh, he Look, you kind of know he's going to eat. It happened last week, not last week, but the last time that these two teams met as well in Week 5, even with Marshawn Lattimore and Eli Apple and Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin still had a big game. He went for over 100 yards there, a couple of touchdowns. Got a touchdown in this one, a lot of it just his own work, uh, you know, the big crafty 30-yard touchdown that he had but when you look at what the Saints were able to do in limiting Mike Evans there's a lot to be impressed with and y'all I gotta tell you a lot of it comes down to PJ Williams and the way that he played on the field in this game I'm not gonna lie to you and y'all already know it I was terrified when it came to the idea of PJ Williams matching up with either one of these guys. Uh, I did mention that it would make more sense to have PJ Williams match up with Mike Evans to give him safety help. It's exactly what the Saints did. They left the speedier Eli Apple on the speedier receiver being Chris Godwin. And really the only cornerback that struggled at all in this game was Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And that's okay. I, I would rather when you're playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their third wide receiver be the one making plays as opposed to either one of those top two guys who make up one of the NFL's best tandems at the position be the ones making the plays. So when you look at what Eli Apple did in this game, he was targeted five times according to Pro Football Focus. We won't get into the PFF grades. That's the second episode today. But he was targeted five times only allowed two catches. That's a 40% receiving percentage there or completion percentage allowed. Uh, a 51.3 NFL passer rating allowed and he broke up two passes on his own. But again, the big story, PJ Williams. Yes, he allowed five catches on eight targets, but only allowed 61 yards, including a uh, 27 yarder and then had the interception in the end zone. Two penalties were called against him, but a 46.4 passer rating when targeted. He played great and he did what he needed to do in order to help limit the uh, Tampa Bay offense and especially that passing game that has pulled up. There was a top five passing attack in the NFL. They have a couple of the best weapons in the NFL and they were without their top guy, the Saints secondary were, and it didn't matter. They still did a really good job of shutting down Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and keeping their offense from having to enter the point of a shootout. There were a couple times where it looked like they were close to getting there, but altogether, the secondary played an excellent game in limiting those guys. You gotta like that, especially when you're talking about that next man up mentality, which doesn't end with the defense. Over on the offensive side of the ball, that offensive line was dealing with a big loss. Well, it's it's kind of a big loss. I mean, a big loss in terms of it's hard to replace anybody in your offensive line, but they ended up not having Josh Hill for this game, and Nick Easton was the guy that ended up stepping in. They did not start Will Clapp. They decided to activate uh, or leave Nick Easton active for the game, I should say, and then had him start at the left guard position in his place, and he 
pitched an absolute shutout when it came to pressure. Now, we're going to be talking about this offensive line and Nick Easton a lot tomorrow in the PFF episode, but let me just say that this, this offensive line allowed seven pressures in this game. This offensive line can be so good. They can be so horrible, but they can also be so good immediately after. The thing you have to love about them is that they're not putting up poor performances two weeks in a row. So you saw them put up a poor performance last week. You saw them bounce back this week. Please just keep it this way is what I would really love. Eric McCoy had uh, two pressures and Larry Warford had two pressures. Other than that, he had three people that allowed a single pressure. Two of them were running backs. So not that big of a deal. Only one sack allowed in the game. And you had to expect that with Andrus Pete out, you have a new person in there. The communication changes, the, the chemistry changes, the, 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 the rhythm changes. Everything about it changes once you replace him on the offensive line. But Nick Easton slid right in and played an excellent game. He played all of his snaps at left guard, 67 total snaps. That's 100% of the offensive snaps in this game. And then ended up playing uh, just lights out. Just absolutely lights out. Again, no pressures at all. That means no hurries, no hits, no sacks, nothing. And helped to keep Drew Brees clean, clean, clean all throughout this game. And then finally in that next man up conversation, Deontay Harris out. Big time spark plug for the Saints team over on the special teams side as a returner. And it was exactly as we expected. Taysom Hill took over primary kick return duties. Didn't get a lot of opportunity there. Bucks didn't score a lot. And then of course the Saints just honestly didn't have a lot of opportunities to take any kicks out of the end zone. But Alvin Kamara stepped in, took over punt returns, and did a pretty good job. He had three returns total, 32 yards, including one where he just got completely demolished, which I'm convinced is actually the point at which the switch flipped for him. We'll talk about that more in a second. But he did have a 27-yard return that helped lead to another scoring drive. So you saw the Saints find ways in all three of those areas where they were missing. Andrus Pete, Deontay Harris, Marshawn Lattimore, and found a way to get productive very good usage out of players that are able to come in, be the next man up, be some stopgaps, better than stopgaps, and play excellent football to help lead this team to a big W as they start to now turn their attention to yet another division rival in the Carolina Panthers. So lots of important games coming up here, but this is absolutely the right time for them to figure this out turn the Jets on, and get rolling. Now, Alvin Kamara is somebody that I really loved in this game as well. I was a little worried about him in the beginning of the game. I'm not going to lie. You just saw him not really breaking tackles, not creating for himself. You saw him have that fumble early. You saw him drop a pass as well. So there were some things that were a little bit kind of questionable when it came to Alvin Kamara's play. But I swear it was after that first kick, I'm sorry, punt return opportunity that he had where he fielded the punt and got blown up by a gunner. It was like that happened and he realized, okay, I'm good. I can take a hit and I can keep rolling. And then after that, he played great. He didn't have a huge day to where he put up 120 yards on the ground and 70-something yards to the air. Nothing like that. 75 yards to the air, 45 on the ground. He went over 100 all-purpose yards again this week. That's great. And he did everything that it is that you expect him. He picked up several first downs. He fought for extra yards. He was one of those guys that was able to just find the crease, take advantage of mismatches. The Alvin Kamara-Drew Brees connection that we're used to seeing, we saw a better glimpse of in this game that we had seen so far this season, especially when he started off with that super heavy workload at the beginning of the year and then started to deal with injuries throughout. So it was good to see him back in full health. Of course, we got to talk about Michael Thomas. He had yet another big game 
eight catches, 114 yards, and a touchdown. He's now got five touchdowns in the year, but more important than any of that, 94 catches through 10 games. It's an NFL record for the most receptions in a 10-game span. He has just been absolutely lights out. Over a thousand, uh, over 1,100 yards now. I think he's at 1,141 on the season. Uh, this guy, look, when you look at the MVP race, Lamar Jackson is your clear MVP frontrunner right now, and he absolutely should be. But you have to include Michael Thomas in your MVP conversation along with Christian McCaffrey. Deshaun Watson was there, but he kind of got embarrassed by that, that Ravens defense this week. But when you look at what it is that Michael Thomas has been able to do, not just with his Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, but with backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater as well. And in teams where, I'm sorry, in games where the team and the offense have struggled, he has been the one remaining consistent throughout all of that first four seasons. I mean, really, he's been uh, he's been consistent his entire career. That's why the Saints signed him to a huge check. First four seasons, over a thousand yards. I mean, he's been outstanding. You can't factor that into MVP voting for this season, I know. But the way that he's played so far this season has been absolutely lights out, and he's played very, very well. And then really the last thing I'll talk about that I think uh, was one of the things that we have to like about this team and what they're able to do was over on the defensive side of the ball. You saw them not struggle against the run. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, only comfortable enough to run against this Saints team eight times. Eight times. That's all that they ran because there was just no way that they felt comfortable and that they were going to be able to get through this offense. I'm sorry, this defensive line over for the Saints. And then when you look at Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston threw the ball 51 times in this game and had only 313 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. We talked about it, that turnover differential when it comes to the Buccaneers. Minus six going into this game. They're now going to leave minus eight because the Saints were able to pick them off four times. Just, it was exactly what we had hoped for. We saw them do exactly what we had hoped. They got the run game going. They were more balanced, threw the ball 35 times, ran the ball 28. We saw them jump out to an early lead. We talked about that last week, 20 to seven to open up the game. And then you saw them take advantage, make those, get those turnovers, and then get the pass rush going as well. Cam Jordan with one and a half sacks, Von Bell with a half sack, and then the four takeaways. The Saints played this game exactly like they needed to in Raymond James Stadium. There was no room for weirdness. There was no room for something to go wonky or wild or anything like that. The Saints just absolutely came in and uh, and played this game the way that they should have and walked away with a dominating win. And although it was dominating, there's still some things throughout this game that catch your eye and make you go, hmm, that's something that they still need to work on. We'll talk about what those things are next. But before we get to that, I'm going to tell you about one of our sponsors, Away. Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off of a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use the promo code locked on during checkout. You're listening on the go don't have a chance to write this down no worries we got you covered if you can't visit away right now you can find this and all of our other offers from locked on sponsors at lockedonpodcast.com slash offers all right y'all we're wrapping up today's episode with a couple of the things that we didn't like from the saints win 34 to 17 hard not to like some things here but i got a couple of things that i'm gonna nitpick about because the saints still have some room for improvement one of the big pieces of conversation that's going on is something i'm gonna bring up as something that i didn't necessarily like but i'm also gonna clarify it's something i'm not worried about and it's drew Brees' arm strength now I've been asked about this on a couple of different radio calls and things like that, and I'll tell you exactly what I tell them. I'm not concerned. 
concern the fact that Drew Brees threw a couple of balls short on some deep out routes and things like that because to me those weren't deep routes that show a lack of arm strength those were deep out routes that showed me that he's still working on his hand strength and the accuracy is affected by that you saw him skip a ball that he actually two passes in a row that were kind of underthrown to Ted Ginn Jr. early on in the game not things that I'm super concerned about though because look he's still playing with a little bit he still has the little splint on his hand he still of course has a splint in his hand let's not forget that all of this stuff is going to get better as he goes through but I'm bringing it up because it's something we didn't like seeing of course you'd never like to see that happening with Drew Brees but at the same time all of these are things that I think that the Saints are going to be able to improve upon and this is no exception Drew Brees' hand strength is just going to get stronger he's going to get more comfortable he's going to get more confident all of that stuff will come and that's actually dangerous for any of these other teams that are a couple of weeks away uh, from taking on the Saints because he's only going to get better and more comfortable as the season goes on so I'm not entirely frightened by that at this moment we'll continue to track and we'll continue you to see it throughout. Uh, One of the other things that I'll mention here, penalties, still a bit of an issue, even though I will admit some of the penalties that were called in this game were absolute crap. Some of the penalties that weren't called were absolute crap, and that goes both ways for both teams. But when you look at the Saints and the Bucks here, 21 first downs, both of which had 14 first downs in the passing game. The Saints had seven in the rushing game, and the Bucks only had two first downs in the run game. The other five remaining first downs for the Bucks came from penalties. So this is still a bit of a recurring problem for the Saints. It didn't bite them in the butt as much as it did against Atlanta, but in this instance, they still gave up five first downs on penalties on the defensive side of the ball. The Saints need to figure out a way to clean that up, uh, and a lot of that is technique. Some of it is just be, being sensible and making better choices. Uh, lots of different ways to to have this conversation, but that's something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on and something that I think we're all ready to see kind of go the way of the dodo and kind of see that go away because that has become a, a big sticking point for the Saints over these last couple of weeks. Now, there are some things that the Saints did very well this week and in this game that I haven't been able to mention yet that I will go to. I mean, we can talk about the split between Alvin Kamara and Latavius Murray. We could talk about their efficiency in the red zone, time of possession. All of those things are positives, but there's one thing that I'm just going to keep harping on the Saints for until they find a way to figure it out. And look, the Saints did absolutely great having Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Jared Cook out there making plays and accounting for 82% of this Saints offense during this game. To have that much of your offense, 269 yards out of the 328 total, again, 82% accounted for by three players is a lot better for the Saints than what they have seen to where that much of the offense might have been accounted for by simply Michael Thomas, which is what we've seen early on this season. And then, of course, Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, which is what we were seeing last season. I like seeing three names there and especially seeing Jared Cook be one of them. However, one of the gripes that I'm going to have here and that I'm going to continue to lean on about is the fact that the next wide receiver on the list here is Ted Ginn Jr. with two catches and 14 yards. Now, he did have a touchdown, but then under him, you've got Zach Lyon with a catch for five yards, Latavius Murray for two catches for five yards, Taysom Hill with a catch for two yards, and then Traquan Smith with one single target and no catches. I still want to see another wide receiver get involved here. And maybe I'm just being greedy. Maybe I should just be okay with the fact that Saints ha- that the Saints have three stars there in Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Latavia. I'm sorry, and uh, Michael Thomas. But is it 
is it too much to ask to have another wide receiver get involved in this offense? Those three wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Ted Ginn Jr., and Traquan Smith, were the only wide receivers to take snaps in this game, with the exception of Krishan Hogan, who took 12, and that was it. So you're not seeing the Saints getting other wide receivers. I'm talking about not just receivers, pass catchers as a general sense that could go across positions. I'm talking about the position of wide receiver is absolutely 100% completely dominated by Michael Thomas. And look, the Saints are winning this way, so maybe it is just me being greedy, but I am just so paranoid about the idea that they're not getting another wide receiver involved and how that could potentially be detrimental as the season rolls on that I, I'm just going to bring it up and I'm going to say it's something I didn't like seeing, but clearly the Saints needed that bounce back game. They got that bounce back game. They got exactly what it is that they needed. And all of those guys that were sort of the next man up, uh, they came, they stepped up. So there's so much to like about this win that I'm not going to live on it too long. I'm not going to talk about it all week. Just wanted to bring it up as something to keep an eye on that the Saints may still be interested in continuing to address, especially with Keith Kirkwood being eligible to come back in week 13. So we'll see if that ends up sparking something to where you see a little bit more variety in this wide receiver in the, this wide receiver core and how they get involved in the game. So still a lot to watch out for here. And look, the Saints simply still haven't played their best football yet, but they're on their way and they're on the way at the right time. We'll talk more about that in tomorrow's episode before we hit the PFF grades and analysis. But for right now, it's going to do it for today. Uh, again, this is the first episode today. I'll have a second episode dropping a little bit later. Sorry for missing on Monday proper, but victory Monday nonetheless still got to celebrate it here on Locked on Saints. So I'll say as I always do, thank you so much for coming through. Once again, I am Ross Jackson. You can find me on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. Drop that five-star rating and review. Thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and trust to that nation. I'll holla at you.